With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. The best heavy metal and hard rock anywhere. Live from Blog Talk Radio's multi-million dollar broadcasting facilities, the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. With your host, Mike the Big Cheese. Welcome to a very early edition of the Heavy Metal Man Radio Show. I wanted three today instead of six, and because of that, Ron Keel, who is our guest, is not going to be able to make it on. Uh, he tried his best to get in earlier today, but he couldn't, so uh, Ron's going to be on the show in a few weeks. But I have a great interview with Gilmore Triumph come up in about a half hour or so. Until then, sit back and enjoy the music. How about we kick things off for a little Hollow's Eve?
into Megadeth off of Tales of Terror going back to 1985. The band put out a new album about two years ago, The Never Ending Sleep, which was a really solid follow-up after a lot of years of being inactive. So if you're interested, go check out the guys. They're still active. They're still playing, putting out good music after all these years. Like I said before, Ron Keel won't be able to call in tonight because I had to change the time uh, to three hours earlier, but we'll have him on again later. And Gilmore Triumph is uh, going to be on a little later. we got a good interview with him. Let me see what we got here now. It's a lazy Sunday afternoon here in New York. How about we do a little trouble? and uh, ride the sky. off the Simple Mind Condition record from 2007. That's song called Ride the Sky. That's actually a cover of a band called Lucifer's Friend. And that is the last album with Eric Ragnar on vocals. Corey Clark is singing for the band now. I haven't heard anything new or original with Corey on vocals. But he's got some tough shoes to fill there because Eric is an amazing singer. I know he's been playing with Joe Hasselvander for a little bit in, the, in his version of Death Row. So uh, maybe something will come out of that. 
It'd be great to hear Eric singing again, you know, on record. All right, let's see what we got here. Not much really happened, I guess, in the in the world of metal this week. Things are pretty quiet. The show's pretty quiet today, too, because we're on a lot earlier than normal, and it was a last-second thing, so I don't think a lot of people even know. But uh, how about we do our uh, Sunday Night Spotlight? We'll get that out of the way. It's a band called Bitter Frost out of California. It's a one-man band. Uh, he's got a lot of guest vocalists singing on him on, on this uh, album. And uh, this one is actually a song I believe that features... Sean Peck of Cage. i got to double-check, but I believe this is the vocalist on this song. He's got a whole bunch of great singers coming in and playing with them. So check it out. Bitter Frost, Nemesis. <laughs>
that was Bitter Frost with Nemesis. Actually, nobody was singing on that song. I don't understand why he was sending me the one song that was instrumental to play. I have no clue when he's got all these great guest singers on the album. But that's what happens sometimes. But that was Bitter Frost, our Sunday Night Spotlight artist. It was Christopher Erickson's band. Go check them out. They're on MySpace. I think, Alex, are you there? Yeah, it's me. Hey, what's going on? And I'm much. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. I thought you were busy today. I wasn't expecting you. Yeah, I was uh, I was uh, out and wasn't able to make it, but I decided to uh, call in and say hello. Ah, that sounds great. Yeah, it's early today. You know, it's like three hours early, so nobody's really listening properly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't have mine until 8, so I'm out of town. All right. Well, yeah, look, you have a good time and enjoy yourself there. you got a beautiful day to get out. Yep. So I know last night on your show we were talking about Eddie Trunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you saw him blabbing out today on Brave Words. Uh, Lizzie Borden's getting into a fight with Eddie Trunk over what he's been saying about him. Oh, really? Yeah, I guess you didn't see that. Uh, Lizzie Borden did an interview with, I believe, what was the name of the magazine? I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. Uh, it was Heavy Metal Examiner. He did an interview with them, and uh, the guy doing the interview asked him, you know, how come uh, uh, we never hear you on Eddie Trunk's uh, radio show or uh, the TV show, that metal show? And he says, I was very shocked because you've been around since the 80s, and he prides himself on playing all these great 80s bands. And he says, Eddie just doesn't get us. He doesn't like us, and he doesn't get us. He says that uh, he was supposed to interview us after Rocklahoma. He never showed up for the interview. And um, he just plays what he wants to play. He only plays what uh, he, you know. He only plays like his favorites and the bands that he deals with all the time. He doesn't play all the other bands, and it's a shame. And he says it's not like Ryan Seacrest. He goes, he's not like a Ryan Seacrest. He says <laughs> where he'll interview anybody just to give them publicity or help them out because that's his job. He only favors his certain few bands all the time. And then he writes down that uh, I, I, I want to get it right. I don't want to misquote him because it's pretty good. He says uh, he won't even bother with us or anybody else. He's probably getting caught up in his own fame. There are probably a lot of little factors going on there, but that what it boils down to is that he covers only what he's interested in, and the audience be damned. So uh, he's wow. a little big there. So that was, you know, I mean, we were talking a lot about that last night, and even the bands are feeling it, you know, that aren't in, like, his little circle, you know, his inner circle. Jeez, well, and that's, that's too bad, too, because I thought they were one of the best bands to come out of the 80s. Uh, yeah, they are a great band, but it's true, like we were saying, about he just focuses on... You know, it's been deal lately because of what happened, but then it's Priest and the few bands that he has on the show all the time. and then, But then Eddie Trunk fired out a letter today really condemning, like, Lizzie Borden, like he ripped him apart. So that he's like a nobody, basically, and that uh, he doesn't interview bands that are, like, on the bottom of the bill that play in the afternoon. <laughs> he wrote a lot of really... So yeah, I guess he can't uh, take his own criticism. What he dishes out, he yeah, can't take you know, he's, The guy has definitely got an ego problem, you know. Yeah, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. There's no doubt about that. So uh, this should get really good. It should get interesting. You know, it should get bigger and bigger, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm going to have to look more into that when I get home. Yeah, it's a whole big article. you got to read the whole thing. Uh, it, it's pretty cool. I was going to get more into it, but uh, I think it's, you know, it speaks for itself, and we'll just let it go. So What happened? Is Claire in the chat? Nobody's in the chat today. N- nobody oh, really? Oh, yeah, okay. It's, 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 no, it's completely dead. Nobody thinks the show is on for another three hours. That's that's why. Oh, where's Tommy? Tommy's not around either today. Oh, okay. Yeah, he didn't call in either. It's a Sunday afternoon. People are busy, but I just wanted to get it in. Uh, Ron Keel couldn't make it because we changed the time. It's too early in Vegas. He's got something going on. So he's going to come back on the end of June when we have an opening. But I'm going to add a Triumph okay. interview. So, you know, we got Gilmore from Triumph. So that's good enough to fill the time slot today and uh, get a show going. All right, well, I'll check out the rest of that when I get home. You got it, Alex. Thank you very much, buddy. I'll talk to you real soon. Hey, you're welcome. Take care. Bye.
All right, check out Alex Dio's show later on, the Dio Priest Radio Show. Right on Blog Talk Radio starting at 8 o'clock. Uh, how about we do a little uh, Love and Death? Let's go deep in hell. <laughs>
That was Living Death. That song sounds a lot like Merciful Fate, Curse of the Shadows, if you ask me. It was a good song that was deep in hell. I believe Tommy's on the line, too. You there? Yo, what's going on? What's happening there? Uh, not so much. Back yeah, I, know. Today. I hear you. It's an early show today. Very early. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, my wife's aunt passed away, so we got to wake tonight, so we did it early. Unfortunately, yeah, we lost Ron Keel. He couldn't call in this early. Uh, oh, Jesus, we lost Ron Keeler. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I shouldn't say it that way. We lost the interview with him today because he tried his best to rearrange the schedule, but he had other stuff going on at this time. It was a last-minute thing. But, yeah. Uh, he says he'll call, you know, we'll do it again. I gave him a couple of dates for June and July. He says he'll pick a date and get back to me in a day or two. So we will have him on in a few weeks. But we're going to play that great interview we did with uh, Gilmore of Triumph later on. So we've still got a, a good guest on the show tonight. That's cool. Yeah, things are dead today. There's nobody around. It's too early. People don't even know Ron, I don't think. Yeah, well, that's true, too, because uh, yeah. usually, you know, 6 o'clock. Yeah, usually on a 6 o'clock, and I only sent out a notice today that it was going on early to show because uh, what happened, so we'll be yeah. back at 6 o'clock next week, you know. Yeah, it even reminded me when I got the email. Yeah, I decided last night, so, you know what, let me do it early just so I can get one of those interviews out, you know, better to get the, the Triumph one on, even though we can't do yeah. the Ron Keel interview today, but we'll get Ron on in a few weeks, so. Not a big deal. Alex called in right before you. I was talking about Alex. Uh, yeah, I heard a little bit on the stream. Just about. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was asking for you like always. <laughs> He's a good man. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking I about... Uh, I got to do my show more often. Oh, forget uh, it. We, he did a show last night. We were talking about you last night on, on the show. Oh, yeah? I called oh. him to a show last night because he was... Uh, what was he talking about? He was, he was on last like 11 o'clock on Saturday. Does 11 o'clock? Oh... Yeah, it's late, uh, you know, but, but I was up because I had to pick up my daughter, so I was up, and he was talking about Eddie Trunk again, like with the Dio, uh, that, oh. he, that he was talking about he was hosting Dio's funeral, he was the MC, so we just oh, started wow. ranting and raving about, like, you know, Eddie Trunk's getting a little full of himself these days now, everything's about him, and blah, 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 oh. so then he was asking about if you had any more shows coming up, and he was talking about the first show you did, and then the Accept show, and then the the year review thing, <laughs> you did everything. He goes, I'm waiting for yeah. time to do another show. I said, you'll be waiting forever. I said, Tommy, he goes, he said he just doesn't have the time. I said, he's lazy. I said, he's lazy. I could say it. He's lazy. He don't want to do it. Yeah, I said, don't worry. Back. I don't know how you do it every fucking day. Ah, uh, I told him the same thing. I said, you're like uh, in, uh, in the movie Easy Money when they pull up to the diner and it says they're open 23 hours a day and they got there one hour they were closed. I said, it's like yeah. your show. I said, you, know, you can have breakfast and you're on, lunch and you're on, dinner and you're on. <laughs> he's always on. It's, a, it's amazing. Oh, it's funny. So we got into that, and then we were just talking about, he was talking about how you called in, you know, you spent like almost the whole show with him uh, when you called yeah. in that time talking, you know. Yeah. So he ago. he enjoyed that. But we were talking about Lizzie Borden, that Eddie Trunk's getting into a war words with Lizzie Borden. I don't know if you saw that. Really? Well, I don't know that. Yeah, so he did, a, he did an interview. I'll, I'll repeat it again, but Lizzie Borden did an interview with some magazine they called Heavy Metal Examiner. And oh. uh, they asked him, like, how come you never played on Eddie Trunk's radio show on that metal show? You know, because he, he prides himself on you know, like doing classic 80s music and, you know, supporting those bands. And he says, right. Eddie just doesn't like us, I don't think. He goes, he doesn't support us. He only focuses on his, like, circle of bands that he's always, you know, connected with. And that's all yeah. he ever plays and takes care of. And, he's, and right. he basically said, like, he was supposed to interview with Stone Rock, Oklahoma. He never showed up to do it. And, you know, he really didn't say anything really bad about him. He just right. stated his his facts of why he doesn't think he's yeah, on well, on the show. Right. And he said he thinks he's getting a little full of himself now in a roundabout way. Like, you know, things are getting to him, maybe. With his well, show, and he left like that. He felt like he's no Ryan Seacrest. He said because Ryan Seacrest interview anybody to help promote them and move them along. Where he only focuses on, you know, like Holford and Dio and the same four or five people all the time. 
and, and, yeah. and I do agree with him. He is right about that. But then they trunk fired off like a nasty email to him, you know, saying that uh, he doesn't interview bands that play at Rock Homer in the afternoon. Like, that's beyond him. Like, to come out in the sun at 11 o'clock oh, in the morning. Yeah, you, yeah, you got to read it. I mean, uh, I'll bring it up again if I can find it. It was on Blabbermouth. Uh, not, uh, yeah. on, uh, B- I'm sure it's on Blabbermouth. I got it off of uh, BWBK, you know, Brave Words, Bloody Knuckles. Yeah, I got yeah, it from yeah. there. But uh, he says, you know, it's kind of near. Like, I don't interview bands at 11 o'clock in the morning during the heat, and I don't interview bands that are third up on the bill. I know he's just trying to do it, you know, to, to zing him for what he said to him. But, you know, you do something like that as a DJ, you're going to ruin your reputation. Because as it is now, most people can't stand listening to the show anymore. So it's... Yeah. Well, this is, this is why uh, uh, Mr. Big Cheese has to be on the radio, the real radio. Ah, uh, yeah. We're not made for radio, you and I. This is about, this is about it for us. We, we be perfect because we kiss everybody's ass. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you know, I'm grateful we've got a guest on the show. Somebody's willing to take out their time to call in and talk to us. I'm yeah, grateful I mean, whether yeah, I like the music or not. Exactly. I mean, I, and like if somebody misses a couple of times, you don't curse them out and stop playing their music. You still play their stuff. Not at all. <laughs> I know. Well, no, I mean, you still, do. you still play Sabotage, even though, you know, John Olivia has got... Well, you know what it is? I know it's not John Oliva that did it. It was his management right. company. that they, they handle, If I dealt with the person directly and they did it, then that's between us. But when you deal with a management company, I know how it works with them. They don't forward a lot of messages. They don't follow up. It yeah. happens. So, I mean, I don't blame him, but I still play Matter of fact, yeah, well, like, the week after next, we got John Oliva playing some music from John Oliva, so, you know. Very good, yeah. That's a great, his new album, Festival, is very good. It is. It's a solid record. And uh, oh, we're going to feature John on the, what do you call it, on the, the metal matinee on the 17th when we do the heaviest bands in the world. And it's not Oh, music. I get it. Okay, cool. It's not, Am it's I going to be music. in there? No, not you. No, you and I aren't in there. Between <laughs> me but, uh, and Dom, I mean, you know. <laughs> I know. I just found a great pitch of a really fat, heavy metal band, like a cartoon. I said, this yeah. would be great. And I dug up I dug up people that, you know, a little put on a little weight over the years. It's happened to all of us, you know. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so that'll be a funny show to do. Hopefully we won't get a lot of emails. But that'll uh, be good. I saw a sense of humor. You got, you got great uh, theme shows in the weekends, man. Let's yeah, so. shows. The other day, it was really good. Last morning, I listened to the 70s show. It was great. Oh, okay, yeah. That was a last-minute thing. I tried to dig up stuff before I got back from vacation, uh-huh. after I got back. I so. didn't even I didn't even know that, um, what do you call it, Quiet Riot was together that long. 1971 or two, they actually formed. Whatever I Man. said, I don't remember myself, but yeah. It was, How uh, old Ma- was uh, Randy? It must have been like 12, 13. They were, in the, they were in junior high, I think. It was him and I think Kelly Garney, uh-huh. I said, or whoever right. was playing bass with them yeah. back then. And, uh... It was like in '74 when they hooked up with Dubrow and uh, and then uh, the the other drummer they had. I can't remember. Drew Forsyth. Uh, uh-huh. If I got that right, I don't remember. But they, you know, so it's, it's hard to believe. And they had out a single, I think, in 1974-5, the Magic Wand single that I, I played on one of those uh, Buried Treasure shows. That was the first recording. So they, it's uh-huh. hard to believe, right? That you know, you usually you just associate Sabbath and Priest like that early back. But, yeah, uh, sure. There was a lot more going on, you know, all around that you just didn't know about. You know, Van Halen right. came out a little after that, too. Around the same time, probably, you know, before they got recorded, but... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah not bad. A lot of cover tunes, Van Halen. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of the Van Halen uh, cover tunes that pop up on YouTube once in a while. They do, like, uh, Scorpions and Kiss. Ah. <laughs> you know, bands and the UFO. Yeah, oh, you gotta check that YouTube, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, never they're not really the greatest... 
They're not yeah. the greatest. Uh, somebody sent me a link. I don't know if it was on Facebook or something. And um, I don't know, maybe it was, maybe it was, yeah, it was Alex. Alex sent us the link uh, uh, on Facebook, uh, one of those links he, put, he posted. It was Van Halen doing, I think it was Van Halen doing Rainbow. Wow, i got to check that out. Alex yeah, finds all these videos, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's good with that. And I like his little, uh, what do you call it, his little updates there. Yeah, he digs up a lot of videos on that thing. I, I really ever get to YouTube. You know, I, I grab some videos to put on the, the show's page, like, you know, just to fill it up. But I never really bounce around in it. i got to start doing that soon. Wow. Another came today. I'm in the backyard. I can't believe it. Is it? Yeah, i got to leave right after this to go out to Long Island, so I'm sure we're going to get hit with some of that, too, on the way through. Oh, yeah. Be, it's pretty be very windy. Be very yeah, careful. it's hot and humid, but it's windy. But uh, how about we do You want to hear some new Exodus? I finally uh, got some of the songs on. Sounds good, man. All right, let me put on, uh, let me see what I got here. I got Hammer and Life is the only one I, I, I uploaded today, so how about we do that one? Excellent. Uh, this is the first time I'm hearing it myself, so let's see how it goes.
got some brand new Exodus. I was hammering, what did I say it was? Hammering Life? Yeah. Yeah, Hammering Life. I, I love the music. I just don't like his voice. Yeah, it's um, it's that newfangled, uh, newfangled. <laughs> it's that newfangled yeah. vocals that they're using nowadays. Yeah, but exactly. It's, it's not so cookie monster, thank God. You know what I mean? It could yeah, be but worse. he can he can't get that. I've heard some songs where he get you, monster, yeah. where he gets it, but well, like I said, the music is good, man. It's you know, even the last album, the music was good. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. I guess that's the, the you know, maybe that's why they weren't added to the. Uh, a lot of there's a little controversy saying that uh, Exodus I know. should have been uh, invited to the uh, Big Four, you know, because uh, Exodus was 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 in the scene before Tempest. Uh, Tempest. <laughs> Testament. No, you're you're 100 percent right. They were there from the beginning. It's just yeah. that they never hit their stride. They never had that success after the first record. Paul Bale off, you know, they parted ways with each other, and yeah. they, they lost their momentum after that. They kind of lost their mojo. They put out some great records. Uh, with Steve uh, Zusa, but they just never went anywhere. Yeah. You know, I, I personally, I mean, Anthrax had a lot of success in the in the eighties. Right. But, uh, I don't think they belong in there either because no, no. I don't think they belong in there. You know, myself. Not at all. Not at all. I think but you know what? They, they were very popular at the time, but they didn't really fit music. I don't think they fit musically, but a lot of people think. Well, actually, you know what? Actually, was more influential, I think, in Trash, not even Anthrax. Soldiers of Death, S.O.D. Yeah, yeah. S.O.D. was more of an influence on the trash at the time. Yep. Than uh, than than uh, Anthrax, but obviously because it was Scott and uh, you know well, Scott and Charlie, right? Were yeah, there's only real two that managed to yeah. stay with it the whole time. Charlie you know. were in S.O.D., so I guess they got the credit. Yeah. And took it along with them over to the Anthrax, you know. Yeah. Oh, Although I know. Anthrax had some songs, you know. But that whole uh, that whole rhythmic guitar thing came out of, obviously out of uh, out of uh, Metallica and Megadeth, but then yep. you know Anthrax you know took it a step further into I wouldn't call it pop metal, but I mean I always looked at the pop metal because when I went to see them I wasn't really going to see Anthrax, I was going to see all the other bands that were on the bill. Of course, man. Most of us and, did. I know. I know. And I would end up leaving halfway through Anthrax. I'll tell you the God's honest truth. Yeah. Try to hit Lenny's before they close. You know, before they close the pizzeria. You know? I, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Just, morning, they've you just, they've never stood true to their music. They've changed with every fad and every style of music. Whatever's come in, they've gone right. with. When rap got big in the 80s, they mixed the music with the rap, with the hardcore, with the new metal. They just changed. Whatever's popular, they just write yeah. that kind of music. And they, you can't possibly have that much interest in every different genre of metal that's come out over the years where you want to change your band's image and style. And, you know, yeah. Joy Belladonna's in, Joy Belladonna's out. I looked at all the bad things they said about Joy Belladonna after he left the band the second time when they did the reunion tour. We'll never yeah. play with him again. He's this. He's gone. They called him everything but a white man, on uh, yeah. <laughs> on all these different places. <laughs> now, now he's like the greatest thing since you know since ice cream uh. again. And six months from now, when he's out of the band again after <laughs> the first argument, they'll be back yeah. to who? Dan Nelson, and then they'll go back to Neil Turbin, and then back to John Bush. It's ridiculous. They should just pack well, it up be and great. call it a day. Give Neil another shot, you know. Let's give Neil another <laughs> shot, you know. I tell you, I wish they would because to me that was the best anthrax in my opinion. Oh, it's my yet, they don't, yet they don't even do anything from that album, right? Nah, I don't even think they acknowledge him in that album anymore. No, but they don't. They don't. 
with Joey Belladonna back in, they might do some stuff from it because, you know, he can handle that kind of vocal range. I mean, he's a good singer. Oh, no, he is definitely a good yeah. singer. I heard, I saw uh, some videos, speaking of the, the Deal Memorial, where he actually sings, um, I forgot what song he sings, Man on a Silver Mountain now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he sings Man on a Silver Mountain. He does a yeah. very good job. Some good videos out from that. Uh, I was looking at the one with Jeff Tate, man. What happened to him? He looks terrible. Yeah, he's got that baldish head, yeah, right? He shaved his head, boy. He looks like a, looks like a mini Holford. Yeah. But he's, not got even goat, he's got the goatee and the bald yeah. head. He looks like him and Holford could be bookends together. How well, you know what it is? Because they, you know, they start losing their hair. You know, they're yeah. not, they don't have the luxurious hairdo that we have, you know? Exactly. I, know. <laughs> I don't know. Tell you the guys on the truth, if I started losing my head, probably shake my head too. That's right. Well, he was losing his hair yeah. in the late 80s. He started losing yeah, his hair a time ago. Yeah, he was. He was thinning out, and so was Holford. So, I mean, but Holford looks good. You know, Holford looks good like that. No, definitely, yeah. He's he can got carry it. Maybe because I'm not used to seeing Jeff Tate that way. I'm not used to it yet. That's what it is. You're used to him with some kind of head of hair. Yeah, Especially when yeah. you see the video. And then they show, you know, after that, you know, you'll see a video on uh, VH1. He's got the whole, you know, quaff of uh, hair, you know. I know. Yeah, so just not used to it. That's the whole thing. But a lot of those guys, like you said, um, um, I don't know if you said it. No. There's probably Eddie Trunk, I think, talking about um, himself. Yeah, himself and me and me and I was on it. and Yeah. He never says the site. Like, you didn't say a the site. He has to say my site. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Know. Like his website. Or, you, you know, when you say, you know, you go to the site, you know, yeah. that's, what, that's what you're supposed to say. Go to the uh, site. Like you always say, you go to the site, you know, go yeah. to the blog, you know, go to the, you don't say yeah. go to my blog or my site. He's everything. My, 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 me, me, me. I don't know that's how those all, other guys put up with him, really. Those that's all it stuff. is. I, I listened uh, Friday night. I got about maybe 10 minutes through the show, and he was talking about the yeah. Dio Memorial. I was I was asked to be the host of the MC by Wendy Dio. Uh, I, I got up to the coffee with Rob Holford. Rob had to hold me up. I'm like, he's talking about his you. Nobody cares about you. You're a yeah. DJ. Nobody cares about you. They care about the music and the dance. Apparently, people think he's a mover and a shaker because they invited him to actually host it. And then, at first, he says, well, I was going to go and say a little thing. But then when I got there, he told me that Wendy asked, asked me to MC the whole thing. Well, he's the mover and shaker. You trying to know that? Tommy. Tommy, yeah. Who else is there in heavy metal? There's no other DJs. That's what I mean. There's no heavy metal DJs. Exactly. He's the only one. I mean, you, you know, got you got hundreds of internet DJs like us that do it, you know, on 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 a small thing like this, and you yeah. have some some bigger ones that are known, but there's no DJs on a, on a major station that play actually classic '80s metal. That's so true. he's the only one, and he has a TV show. But even the TV yeah. show, we're in our sixth season. The show just started last year. The show started last March or whatever. He's only been on TV for one year. Just because VH1 shows eight episodes and takes a month off. Then eight episodes in a month off. Doesn't mean you're on your third season. That's like yeah. a year. You're like, oh, we're on our sixth season of that metal, our fifth season. I'm like, but the show's only been on for 12 months. Well, you know what it is? Every three months is another season. Yeah, every, yeah, every time they take a... But that's the way TV is these days. They show you eight oh. episodes of a show, then they take a right. break for a month to get something new going, then uh, they're not seasons, you know. I don't know. I know what you're saying. I know what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, you know. When I was a kid, a TV season went from May to September. You had 20 oh, sure. shows. Yeah. Yeah. I was just ranting and raving. I'm sounding like Alice now. I'm sounding like you. That's all right. Not a bad thing. 
No, not at all. Not at all. There's room. There's room. I can step off my soapbox once in a while. I know. I saw you posting the other day. So you don't need a. You don't need a factory. <laughs> you need a soap factory. That was good. That was good. That was good. I like that. Oh my God. But I agree with you. You're right on that. Plus, hey, you got a birthday coming up this week, buddy. It's gonna be a big happy birthday Thanks. Tuesday for you. Thank. Yeah. And yeah, I'll talk Thanks. to you Tuesday. But for everybody else who's listening, there's not too many today because we're so early. This show's yeah. gonna be all podcasted. I don't think anybody. We've got conservative TNT in the chat room. Well, and, I uh, guess got a great show a here. Few, a few of them pop in at six. They'll see that it was already done, and then they'll listen. So. Yeah, exactly. I'm not worried about it. I just wanted to get it in. I said, you know what? Why waste the week? I'm gonna be home until at least five o'clock. Let's get it in. So at least we get the Gilmore interview on because we were sitting on that for a while. So let's yeah. play it. And you know, we, we got a couple of open spots in July. Thinking this, we'll get Ron Kiel on then. I wanted to talk to him, too, because uh, uh, Dustin, who uh, set this up, said he's like a character. He can go on and on, and he's like one of these guys who'll just talk up a storm about everything. And that's what we like. That's good. Yeah, that's good. All right. So how about we get another song on here? Let me see. I'll give you a yeah, choice, any, too. Got any Triumph? I got, yeah. I actually got a couple of Triumph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you should play some Triumph, no? If you want to hit Triumph right now, play it right now. Oh, it's up to you. I only got two songs, so I figured I'll save one for after the interview. All right, oh, okay. I got here. Yeah, I only got the two songs. Maybe I'll save it for a little bit. I'll get oh, one more on. Then we'll do Triumph. Then we'll do the interview. That's cool. That's cool. Right, you know what? We'll get on. How about we get on some bitch? Uh, Robbie Sell is a drummer for the band Bitch. He died uh, about a week ago, a little over a week oh, ago. God. Yeah, it was right, 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 right after Dio, so he kind of got lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Uh, but David Gaston, who uh, set us up with uh, Tina Taylor, and he runs the Betsy Bitch uh, website. Uh, he did a nice little tribute to him on there, so you should go check that out. I got the link up on the page uh-huh. over here. Yeah. And uh, you know, I forgot to do it last week because it was the last. We were like, you know, we had a lot of stuff going on, but we'll do a little bitch right now. Okay. And this is for Robbie. They're all dropping like flies, Tommy. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, you just gotta stay healthy, bro. Uh, that's what we gotta do. All right, here's a little bitch, leatherbound. All right.
thought it was some bitch with leather bound for the late, the late, blah, 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 a little tongue tied here, the late Robbie Settles. So we, when did we have her on the show? Back in January, I think, right, Tommy? I think Tommy disappeared. All right, well, you know what? I'm going to go into some triumph right now, and then we'll get the interview with Gilmore going. This is off the new album, uh, Greatest Hits Remixed. This song called When the Lights Go Down. <laughs>
When the lights go down, how about we go right into our interview? Ty, I think I lost you there for a bit. Yeah, I'm on the cell phone, so I yeah, it happens. All right, how about we do an interview with Gilmore? I'm sorry. I'm gonna do an interview with Gilmore now. All right. How long is it about? Twenty. Okay. So sit back and relax. Uh, go have another beer. Here you go. I'm like, yeah, I might go listen long to the screen for a little bit. I hear you. Put all this technology today, things will be a lot easier, right? Yeah, no kidding, eh? We'd set back old wired phones and copper lines and stuff. Oh, uh, exactly. <laughs> but I'm glad to have you on. Thank you for calling. I really appreciate that. I'm glad we got through and we're going to get this on today. So thank you very much. My, my pleasure. My pleasure, Mike. It's been great. So things are looking great for Triumph again. You guys are back in business the last couple of years, and you're going to have your greatest hits remix album coming out real soon, right? Yeah, we're pretty excited about it. It's you know, taken us a long time to put it together, but... Uh... You know, it's been uh, it's great to be able to kind of give something back to the fans. They've been so loyal to us, and we tried to take a lot of their requests into into account. And uh, you know, there's a few surprises on there, and some unusual video footage, and so on. Uh, so hopefully, it'll be appreciated. <laughs> there's a lot of love and care went into it. Oh, I'm sure, and it, it's been a long time coming too. And all the songs have been remastered, I guess, on the on the CD, and it's also with a DVD uh, too, right? It's like a package. Yeah, and the, and the DVD as well, they widescreened all the videos, so on, you know, on modern tele- TVs now, you know, you'll see the, the picture won't be cut off with bars, so it really is a, a big improvement. And yeah, all the audio was remastered, but in addition to that, the songs uh, from uh, their original format, they were remixed as well. So they're not just remastered, they're remixed, so they actually sound a lot different if you compare you know, any one of the songs that's from our original record, and then you listen to the remix version, it's, you know, it's not quite two different songs, but it's a big difference. Yeah, that, I'm sure it's going to sound great, because, uh, like myself, I, I remember coming across you guys back in, like, 81 with Alex Force. That was, like, the first album yeah. that, I, that I I came into the band from. And from that, I went back, you know, to your older albums. So it's going to be really great to hear all that, you know, the things you couldn't do back then that you probably wanted to do with the songs you're able to do today because of, all the, you know, the technology, so I'm sure it's going to have a great sound to it. Well, the subwoofers made the biggest difference, right? I mean, you got to figure all those records were originally, you know, they were mastered for vinyl more than anything. Yeah. And then the, C- the CD came along, and basically the mastering that was designed for 8-track uh, tapes and so on 
a lot of times that was the master they would use to create uh, their CDs from. And so then everybody kind of started to remaster their stuff for CD. But, you know, the subwoofer became a real big issue in automobiles and, you know, and at home for that matter yeah. uh, as time went on. And so the way this has been remixed and remastered, it's like it's like done as if it was happening today or, you know, in the last three or four years. So it's it's like right up to speed. So, you know, you take a track like Rock and Roll Machine, for example, that's really old. I mean, that's recorded in 70. Eight, I think, uh, or seven. Um, yeah. You know that song now, like it just thunders. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait to hear the. the <laughs> it's, a big, it's a big change. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like don't turn it up too loud, or you may blow the speakers <laughs> in your car. <laughs> well, a lot of people listening don't re- remember the days when we had cassettes and eight-track tapes and vinyl. Yeah. A lot of these kids today have come into where they don't even buy CDs anymore. Everything's just you know yeah. downloaded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a whole different world for them. So uh, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Did you think, I mean, it's been 35 years since you started trying. Did you think you'd still be playing 35 years later? Yeah, it's really hard to believe. You know, look at the guys in Rush, too, because they started at the same time as we did. Yeah. And, you know, they they played all the way straight through, you know. It's uh, it's amazing. But, you know what, fans from that, you know, from the 70s and the 80s, the fans are incredibly loyal. And then the funny thing is, is a lot of, you know, a lot of newer fans have come along and discovered the bands, and I think probably the reason is is because they have a, a, like a catalog of work. You know, whereas a, you know a lot of the bands recently, it's one or two albums, and then poof, they're gone. It's true. That that is true. They got a lot to go back on, and the kids say that the good thing is that they're listening to our music, our parents' music. They're going back into it and discovering, yeah. you know, they're rediscovering it all, and it's and it's, it's been a great boom to to, to rock and roll. Exactly. It's been a big change. Yeah, it was about time too. It was still because the 90s were a rough time for people that really enjoyed rock. It was, it was a rough decade. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys, I mean, yeah. you guys only took a couple of months to like 15 years off in between. You know, everything's worked out now. Everything's good between you guys. You know what? Um, Mike and Rick and I had dinner the other night, and, you know, it's a good thing we were at the corner of the restaurant because we were laughing so hard that. I don't think anybody else should enjoy their That's meal. <laughs> I mean, we, uh, yeah, I mean, we did have our problems. That we, I mean, let's put it this way. You can divide what happened to us up into, you know, a couple of long stretches of time. Like, we had a fantastic uh, musical journey from the inception of the band until we quit performing in 89. And we also had a fantastic friendship. And, you know, unfortunately, like a lot of bands do, you know, we had a we had a squabble, but the good thing is, is we eventually got over it, and we're fast friends again, and, uh, you know, it's nothing but, you know, good times when we see each other. Yeah, that's good. People want to dredge up the past, but it's like anything else with family, friends, you're going to have arguments, you're going to disagree, and the fact that you also have a business relationship, as the band is a business itself, too, things are going to happen, well, but it doesn't matter, because you're playing again today. In all honesty, Mike, like, I know there's a lot of bands where they have a fight and then, like, for the public's sake, they put on this front like they're friends again and they're playing together and stuff. That's not what's going on here. Like, we we really, if there was a hatchet to bury, we really buried it, you know? Like, there's an understanding on both on both sides as to maybe how things got, you know, twisted a bit, and I think there's... Uh, a, a lot of a lot of common ground that's been that's been reestablished. Like, you know, 
with Rick, it, it, being estranged for the time period when we were, it was very, it was really painful for everybody, you know, really painful. And, you know, we were great friends and, and we are now great friends, you know, totally aside from the band. So it's not some fake thing where we're saying, sure. oh, yeah, we like him again, but we're going to have a fight with him again in 10 minutes and we don't like him anymore. It's not like that. I know that a lot of bands, they do that. They, it's like a marriage of convenience, so to speak. Exactly, yeah. Whereas this is, the, this is really the opposite. This is really, you know, three guys that, you know, genu- genuinely, you know, went through a lot together as the three musketeers and mean a lot to each other personally and, and really have, you know, healed healed any wounds, right, which now seem to, you know, kind of just have been shrunk, they've paled in comparison to the strength of the personal bond that we feel with each other, really. No, I know exactly what you're saying. And after, like, after 15 years apart anyway, if you didn't want to do this, you know, there would be no reason to do this if you didn't want to do it personally. So that's why people, I think, believe that, too, because there was no reason to yeah. do it if you didn't feel like just getting back together and writing great music again. Yeah, and you got to figure that, you know, we're all we're all different people now. I mean, a lot of time's gone by. You know, Rick's got a really good uh, solo career that he enjoys because he plays all kinds of different music. You know, and he has all kinds of different ventures that he goes out on. So it's not as restrictive as playing in a in a band uh, where you're playing the same stuff every night. Yeah. You know, Mike is. Uh, you know, he's been off on his own uh, his own thing for a long time, and and you probably know that I. Uh, you know, built metal works up, yeah. and that's that's kind of what I do, right? We've we've now got, as well as the studios, uh, which is the company that most people have heard of. We also have a, a a vocational school where we've got over 250 students, and we're you know we're teaching them the music industry at the school. We also have a live event company where we go out, we do sound and lights and and video and uh, you know touring and, and corporate events and stuff like that. So I'm doing what I love to do. I've always uh, been, uh, you know, before Triumph started, I was behind the scenes. I had, uh, you know, a sound in, in a company when I started as a kid, and I've kind of gone back, you know, to my roots because I really like that. I like the behind-the-scenes technical stuff. Even from even from the beginning of Triumph, I mean, even though you've worked with like, people like Mike Klink and Doug Hill and Eddie Kramer, you guys always produced your own records or, you know, producers work with someone else to do it right from the get-go. Mike had a lot of experience with producing because before uh, Triumph was really uh, out there with its wheels on, you know, Mike had gravitated. He was still a musician, but he gravitated into the record industry. And, uh, you know, he started to learn the business from that side of the coin. And uh, I was learning it from the, uh, I was learning it from, I guess, the technical side. And, you know, when we put the band, we put the wheels on the band, you know, you had this one guy in the band who sort of understood the, uh, you know, the record business in a way that you couldn't unless you worked in it a bit. And you had a guy that understood lighting and sound from yeah. a standpoint that you couldn't unless you worked in it a little bit. So we had a big advantage when we went out there because we had a record right right from inception. We never waited around for a record deal. We had a record deal the day that, you know, we, we started and when we went into clubs, of course, you know, I would take in a whole pile of my gear and basically flatten the place. <laughs> and that was, a big, that was a big advantage, too, because, you know, you go, into, you go into a club and, you know, usually the bands would kind of work their way up, whereas we came in and everybody looked at us in the bar the first time and said, who are these guys? they got a big enough sound system to do Woodstock, for crying out loud, you know? 
Yeah. And we kind of rocked, we kind of rocked the house, and we had pyro like right when we were starting, and all this fancy stuff. And so that's why the spark lit fairly quick, and we and we got out of the clubs within a year and a half, and we were headlining concerts. That was great. It doesn't happen too often for a lot of people, you know. It's, it, today, it's no, I don't know if it was a, I don't know if it was a, you know, how much of it was a fluke, Mike, and how much of it was just like momentum. Uh, it's really hard when you look back and you go, how come this worked, you know? It reminds me of a, a story. I remember talking to Jason Flom when he was at Atlantic Records and he had signed Twisted Sister. And he was working in the mailroom at the time before he became a big shot. And they asked him, well, how did you find out this band was selling? And he says, well, you know, there's a club in Long Island. I'm there, and, and, and there's people lined up around the block. And their song on WBAB is like number one nighttime request, and Stairway to Heaven is number two. He says, how smart did I have to be? So <laughs> it's kind of like with us, you know, we got out there and, and we just did what we thought we were we were, we were supposed to do. We, we, you know, we really liked playing together. When we went on stage, we were just kind of like, you know, blood oath to really dig deep and play your guts out. And we went on, you know, because we had, a, you know, serious uh, gear and everything, and, you know, we came on stage with this, you know, take no prisoners approach. It just all panned out. It's just like the audience just kind of went, wow, these guys are new and they're different and they're real. And, and this we got this love thing happening with the audience. It just never went away. We just always connected on a live basis with our fans. That That's true. And uh, one of the things, I mean, I remember seeing you guys, you know, way back in the 80s. But you were one of the only bands to videotape the Us Festival. That was an amazing for fans to watch something like that. It was amazing. How was it to play in front of a crowd that size back then? It was it was absolutely unbelievable because from the stage, like I played a lot of big outdoor shows where there'd be like eighty thousand or ninety thousand people or something. You look out and you could see the end of the crowd. But on heavy heavy metal Sunday at the Us Festival, <clears throat> you could not see the back of the crowd. Yeah. Like, as your vision went out, right, it dissipated, like, it's like looking out over the ocean. And, um, you know, so that was that was hard to, hard to really get your head around when you looked out and you saw that. Yeah, it was it's amazing. It's like, kind of like a blur. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like a bit of a blur because, you know, when you go on stage and you're so pumped to be there, and you know the roster that day was like, you know, they had Scorp, Scorps were there, Van Halen and Judas Priest, Ozzy was there. So we go out there. And we're like, man, we better kill because this is a, <laughs> yeah, it's a big, this is it's like a the best crowd. lineup of all time. We better be good if we go out there and choke, <laughs> you know, and yeah, it's going right. to be good. And, you know, so it have... goes by in a heartbeat, right? You do your set, it goes by in a heartbeat. Oh, I'm sure of that. And heavy metal was in its infancy back then, too. And did you guys ever mind being lumped in with that? Because I personally never considered you guys like a heavy metal band. I thought you guys were no, a we rock got... band. Yeah, yeah, we got we got that label, but we also, you know, for the press for a while, they started calling us Precious Metal, and, you know, like, I thought we, when we started, we were labeled Progressive, and, you know, so the labels kept coming and going, and, uh, you know, Heavy Metal, no, I didn't see us as a, I always considered, to me, the quintessential Heavy Metal band would be like a Judas Priest, for example. Yeah. I, so I never guys considered were a good, kick-ass, old-fashioned rock and roll band, like The Who, and, you know. Yeah, Exactly. And you always have a tremendous record. And one thing, I, you wrote an article a while back called How to Survive as a Rock and Roll Musician in the 80s. And I think every How did you today, ever come across that? Oh, yeah. I saw it on the internet at one time, a long time ago. Huh. Yeah, I, I, wrote, I wrote that when I was a kid. Oh, wow. That long ago. I don't oh, think yeah. it's that, but... You know. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think the way that happened was the way that happened was in Toronto. Um, the musicians' union in Toronto is really big. It's just like the musicians' union in, in Manhattan is a really big local, and the one in Los Angeles, local 47, is a big local. And 149 in Toronto is a big local. They have a pile of members. And um, they were, at the time, they were trying to wrap their heads around rock musicians, and um, and um, they they really had very, you know, very little relationship with the rock community. So they had a board meeting, and um, one of the guys on the board was tasked with the idea. He says, can you find anybody that's a rock musician that we can actually talk to, who actually understands the business or whatever? Yeah. And um, this particular individual, Tom Wilson, he just he recommended me. So they hauled me in, and they said, Kill, can you you know, be on our board? We've got to have one guy from the rock industry on our board. So I was on there right up, right up until when, when Triumph started. Oh, okay. And I wrote that piece. I wrote that piece because they asked me. They said, you know, the musicians are getting ripped off by managers. Well, can you give every give them some advice as to how they should do their deals with managers to not get ripped off? You explained it well, because I think every band should have a copy of that when they start out because it shows them <laughs> the whole end of the business because they don't realize it. When you break down, like, you know, if a band gets paid 800 or something dollars and it gets split four ways and the manager gets a cut and he gets more than the band, I mean, it, it, people don't realize all that end of the business. When they're young, they just want to play, and they don't even care if they get paid or not. And then by the time they get serious about it, sometimes it's too late for them. That's right. And, and so what happened was that the at Local 149, when you joined the union, that was part of what happened. If you were a rock musician, they handed you that piece to read and study. That was good. <laughs> that, that well, it was different. It was a great article. I mean, I, I look at that. I tell every band, read this before you get, you know, get too far in. Especially when they hate like the breakdown and the cut of what you get. And if you yeah. if you use that formula for you guys back in the seventies, in early yeah. days, would Mike Levine's mustache get a cut of that? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Mike. Mike knew his end of. The, he knew what was going on in the record industry by the time we started. I can tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are always professional about it, too, and that's one of the things that has kept it going great for you guys. you plan on doing anything uh, with the new recordings coming up soon, or are you just taking it one thing at a time? We're just taking it one day at a time, right? I mean, I think right now we're just enjoying the fact that we've got our personal relationship back, and uh, I know that we're uh, we're going on the radio, and in about two weeks we're going to go play a live track on the radio just for fun. Oh, nice. So, yeah, we're just going to keep it loose and do you know just see what comes. That's good. And how's it feel now being a, a member of the Canadian Music Hall of Fame? That must be a big deal. It was really fantastic uh, feeling, you know. Um, you know, I guess with Hall of Fame, you know, you just sort of feel like you don't belong. That's how it struck me because, you know, the Hall of Fame for me is always about, you know, somebody that I idolized in Canada, you know, like Gordon Lightfoot, you know, or, you know, somebody like that. And, uh, you know, then when it comes along, you realize you're you're in there with all these, these other uh you know, artists. You know, it's you get you get that scene from uh, the we not we're not worthy scene from Final Tap. <laughs> yeah. That sort of goes through your mind. Yeah. You know, we you you start a band. You don't just think about the Hall of Fame. You think about just you know playing some songs and getting the audience excited. And that's what we always try to do: is get the audience excited. And you know, getting something like that from the industry is a real uh, I don't know. It's a real it's a real honor. It's a once in a lifetime. That's for sure. My kids really dug it. They were thrilled. Oh, I'm sure. 
I can only imagine. Like you said, the way you idolize Gordon Lysus is being in there. There's the other generation that feels the same about you guys and the way you, you know, I guess you so. Yeah, I idolized a lot of hockey players myself growing ah, up. Okay. So that's how I relate to it. I relate to it like the Hockey cool. Hall of Fame and, you know, all the guys that I saw growing up. It's music sticks with you your whole life because you remember these points in time where you were listening to a certain song or you are at a certain show. Unbelievable how it yeah. sticks like glue. It does. Well, you know, you had Gretzky, so you had something to look forward to out there back in the day. I was a Ranger fan here in New York, so up until the late 90s, <laughs> we were starving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We couldn't get anything going here. <laughs> I know exactly how you feel, and I know exactly what you're saying. Um, I, I wish I could talk to you more, Gilbert. I actually ran out of time because I had the wrong number, and we got all delayed, and everything was messed up. But I wish I could keep hey, it forever. Hey, I, I enjoy the chat, you know. Uh, all the best, and uh, good luck with the show, and hopefully uh, catch, you, uh, catch you on the backside. I will. Thank you very much, Gil. I appreciate you calling in today, and have a great time. And I'm looking forward to the new record, Greatest History Mix, coming out uh, is it this month or in June. Uh, no, it's coming out this month. I'm I'll not play. sure of the actual date. I'll get that up for everybody after the show is over. I'll get the date for them. Okay, buddy. Thank you, Gil. I appreciate it. Take Thanks, care. Mike. Thank you. Bye. Take I want to thank Gil Moore for sitting out for an interview. I had a good time with him. How about we do a little bit of triumph off that brand new Greatest Hits remixed album? I live for the weekend. Okay. <laughs>
Triumph Greatest Hits Remixed Album. I live for the weekend. They're such a rocking band, aren't they, Tay? Oh, forget about it, man. Yeah. yeah they they are a quintessential rock and roll band. Like when I first started listening to rock and roll, I, you know, Aerosmith had news yeah. in, and very early Kiss, and obviously, you know, Sabbath and, and Zeppelin were out. But like when the new albums from, you know, from Aerosmith, and Ted Nugent would come out, and, and Kiss would come out, and Triumph. I was just like, picked up that first um, American release of um, Rock and Roll Machine. Yeah. Blew me away, just seeing that back cover, you know? And yep. I said, this band's got to be good. And I really wish I would have been in on that interview, man, because that would have been no half hour. It would have went on, because I had I so many questions. I, I mean, you were great. Don't get me wrong. But tech, you know, it was only he was borderline, borderline tech, uh, technical uh, interview day. You know, I would have went off. You know, with the, the, the know. recordings and oh, had, that was. I know we had trouble with the phone lines that day and getting everything with the numbers and the phone numbers. Yeah, couldn't, yeah. Couldn't get to it, but uh, you know, it is. I they tell you like before the interview, no more than twenty minutes, a half hour. Oh, okay. Most of these okay. guys will always go longer. They don't really care. They want to go longer, right? Especially when the vibe when it's going. You, 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 you know, you don't ask you don't ask a lot of the same old you know questions that people ask. You know, which is I great. try not to. Sometimes you you fall into that trap, but I try not to. I thought oh, the thing you asked me about Mike Levine's mustache getting a cut of the money was pretty funny. That was great. That was really good. <laughs> and I don't think you wanted to say anything because they <laughs> they all just patch things up. Yeah, you know? but, like, yeah. yeah, they don't want it. They don't want to see anything going. But him and him and uh, Mike would probably have been very good friends over the years, you know. It was just the Gil being like, you know, it all had to do with money, from what I understand. But I guess, you know, whatever's what, and you know, time wounds, uh, time wounds heals, uh, wounds heals wounds. Yeah. Thank God, and you know, we're great, great to see them around. Um, the remix sound, I mean, I didn't even catch if if you were playing a remixed song. You know, one of the remix, but yeah, that was off the new. That was so both of the songs off the new record. Yeah, it sounded so good over the phone just now. And when you said it was off the new, I could, could understand. I could just wait to get a hold of a copy of that. I'll I sent you the link. Play that my stereo. Yeah, it's a good sounding record. It's uh, I want to, you know, it's, uh, there was a thing. Uh, somebody interviewed Rick Emmett a little while ago. I, I caught the clip on the internet where he says he just doesn't have any desire to write new music. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just wants to go out with Triumph and you know play shows and uh, and do their thing. And even if I'm talking to Gilmore, who you know a lot of people think Gilmore is all everybody thinks Rick Emmett is just a singer in the band, but, but Gilmore sings half of the songs too. He does sing a lot of yeah. Gil sings, more, Gil sings more than half the songs. Uh, you know, uh, for the weekend was 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 uh, Rick. That was Rick. The one we played before was Gil. <laughs> but uh, well, he sings right. a lot of the songs too, you know, and. Uh, they're just happy to be together playing again. I guess, they, you know, he's no got his record his studio, so, you know, he's Why a busy rock, guy. Oh, go out and do it. you got, like you said, there's a cat, nice catalog of music to play from. Uh, I personally would love to hear some stuff from the first Canadian album. I have yeah. it. Um, just called Triumph uh, with, like, a silver, like, a sterling silver uh, logo. Really cool album. And it's got a lot of songs that are on the Rock and Roll Machine album. Uh, I never got old in the second album. I have to look, look that up. Now you got, you know, hearing them again really gets me up. I love that song. I love the weekend out. For years, oh, yeah. uh, I'm, a, I'm a serious subscriber, and I email those guys left and right 
to play Weekend Warriors by Ted Nugent and I Live for the Weekend uh, by uh, Triumph as a precursor to the weekend, like on a Friday. Yeah, yeah. Every Friday I listen to the whole friggin' what <laughs> was Buzzsaw. Buzzsaw from, you know, early in the morning all the way through the afternoon and no one will play this fucking song. But recently, since they got did the merge with XM, I think they have somebody else in charge of that rock and roll station. The oh, yeah. Buzzsaw station, the uh, a Boneyard station. And now I hear those two turn tracks. I don't think it had anything to do with me. But um, it's good to hear them, man. It's good stuff. I remember it just brings back great memories of being like just starting out uh, playing, you know, learning how to play the guitar, trying to cop some licks, and just being so proud to be able to watch them play live and pick up like a few of their riffs, you know, and watching, yeah. uh, you know, Rick. He was just an amazing, he is an amazing guitar player. He's oh, done yeah. a lot of jazz stuff, you know, we put a jazz show. The old guys from the old neighborhood he's done, and we were just like meeting before the show. He's really gracious, but just didn't want to do any rock and roll. I'm just glad that as people get older, they get the hunger to do the do the old stuff again. Because it's, that's that's any what do you call it? It's that little bit of a, a gap that they you know that the ten years that they were apart, it just makes the heart go fonder. Uh, that's all I have to say. Uh, you said enough. That sounds good. I like that. Yeah, yeah sounds good. Right? Very, very <laughs> apropos. I like that. <laughs> that was good. That was yeah. good. We had a good time talking to him, and uh, he was a nice guy, so I wished him the best. Let me see. You know what? We didn't do our demolition segment. You want to want to do that and get it out of the way? Of course. Because we got about a half hour left. Play a few more songs, then uh, we'll cut things a little short today. Let me see. What yeah. do we have lined up today? It's a band called Midas Touch. Out of Sweden. Uh... I don't really remember much about these guys. I just dug up the demo tape. I think they only had the one or two demos out. I don't even think they had an album. I'm going to have to check that out before. I'm going to look at the tapes. But uh, if you go to the blog spot right now, the link's right here at the homepage at the Blog Talk Radio. You can download a copy of this tape. It's some old school thrash. I mean, it actually came out in the late 80s, uh, this demo tape. But uh, I don't really remember too much about it back then. It kind of got mixed up with all the other thrash bands coming out at the time. But I listened to the other day. I said, no, it's not too bad, so let me get it on. It has something called The Shape of Rage. Oh,
Midas Touch. I was off the Grand Zero demo from 1987. Sweden not exactly known for their thrash metal, huh? Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, well, you They're know. more power, more power band. A lot of power metal coming out of Sweden. But 88, 87, I don't know. Was yeah, the, right. Oh, wait, you had uh, came out of uh, Sweden. It sure did. Yeah, we like to send like it back metal. there, but, uh, you know. but uh, that was the Grand Zero demo. They actually had an album out. Uh, <laughs> What was that? No, you were saying that like they should send them back there. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, but yeah, they should take them back. We gotta export them. But uh, he lives in Florida now. I, yeah, I think so. I think so. He, he's still beating up waitresses I hear on airplanes. Oh my god. Yeah, but they had an album out in '89 uh, called uh, "Presage of Disaster," whatever the hell that means. But uh-huh. <laughs> there you go. There's the only one and only demo from 1987 called "Ground Zero." It's up right now at the Heavy Metal Mayhem blog spot. Go download a copy for yourself there. Let me see. Maybe it got lost. Minutes, buddy. Well, Maybe it got lost in the translation. The title. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was hoping. I, I wanted to. Talk, I couldn't wait to talk to Ron Kiel today because I had a lot of good Yingve questions asking, a lot of good shit. But we'll oh, have to say yeah, before he comes on. Oh yeah, they played, uh, played together in Steeler back when they first got so started. Steeler, right? Yeah. So we I had a few funny things to mention, but uh, we'll get to it in a few weeks when he comes on. I'll, I'll save it. I think. Yeah, I think. Well, I think he'll laugh. I'll get upset, but we'll have a good time with him. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, i got to go use the little boys' room, so how about I get on like a six-minute song? Okay. You know, when you're as big as me, it takes a little longer to get it all out. <laughs> what do you got up? <laughs> uh, well, I did have something. I just lost that. I was going to play uh, Sabbath, the, the one from the United Kingdom. There's two. There's a Japanese one, and there's the one out of London. Uh, we're going to get the London band off for you. Uh, I believe this is off of, uh, I'm not even sure, so I won't even say, I think it was a Dreamweaver record, but I'll double check after the song. This is Behind the Crooked Cross. Black cloud with bleed. 
Some Sabbath. I believe that is the Dreamweave album that came off of. Haven't played those guys in the show in a long time. I don't think time is there anymore, so we'll just keep the music going. Uh, I'm trying to get these guys on the show. I've been reaching out to them. I got to try a little harder. I, was, I used to get a kick out of them back in the 80s. They called Killer Dwarfs Heavy Metal Breakdown.
side of the drizzle. I had a super clock, you get trouble. Some killer dwarves with heavy metal breakdown. You're back, hey. Nah, I guess Tommy's not here. Let me try one more time. Tommy, you there here? you go. All yeah, right. you here? Yeah, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. You hear me now? I can hear you now. It sounds like a Verizon uh, commercial. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, that killer dwarves, they were a uh, decent band. They sort of had that, well, they're Canadian. They sort of had that uh, Getty Lee vocals. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, all those Canadian bands are like that. That's not really a real country, you know that. Oh, be nice, huh? It's Canada. It is good. It is a, it is its own country. There, England uh, gave them. I didn't say they weren't. I said they're not like a real country. I didn't say they weren't a country. So they're not like a real country. You can take over that whole country with a water gun and a balloon. Are you kidding me? Come on. Yeah, well, they're good. They're good partners in metal and. Yes, they are, without a doubt. We're just having fun. Canadian Bake is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, look at all the good Canadian uh, musicians and, and um, Canadian actors that come out. Uh, you don't have to kiss the whole country's Anderson ass. I mean, come on. Pamela Anderson was Canadian. That's true. That's true. You got that right. But uh, A little, little Canadian block over there, so that was pretty good. How about uh, we head over to the U.K. for a little Gary Moore? Okay, yeah, Gary, definitely. Yeah, we'll do the old cover song of Shapes of Things. Okay, cool. Get that lined up. Here we go.
Uh, he's a great guitar player, guy while doing the old Yardbird song. Shapes uh, of Things to Come. What a remarkable guitar player. Guitar player. Remarkable. Yeah, there's a little brief stint in rock over there. I mean, he went back and forth between rock and blues, you know, over yeah. the years. But. And now he's still doing the blues thing, but I saw him on a thing on cable. It was like a tribute to the Stratocaster, and uh, he came out, and uh, he ripped, man. He did a blues tune, but uh, he had such great tone. He still has that uh, that very fluid tone, and um, you hear every note. I mean, man, it's amazing. That's the God's honest truth. I agree I mean, to that. Sort of when Vivian... Yes. What? Uh, no, Sort of when Vivian Campbell, uh, you know, first come out, you know, yeah. well, I don't know. You know, I think it was in a band called what, Sweet Savage or... Sweet Savage, yeah. It was his first group. Savage, yeah. I didn't, I'm really not familiar with that stuff. i got to start listening to that. But um, when he first come out in that first D.O. album, man, that was like a really fresh approach to... Um, you know, so like uh, power, you know, power. Oh, metal. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And a lot, you know, they, like, you know, Theo was always an innovator, you know? Yeah. You know, That's he took, the truth. It wasn't just the vocals. He gave a kid, some kid, you know, not those kids from friggin' uh, from England or from Belfast, whatever the hell he was. Yeah. He's Irish, right, uh, Vivian Campbell? Yeah, he's Irish, yeah. Irish, yeah. Some yeah. kids from Belfast gave him a, you know, chance, and, yeah, they, they didn't even. He didn't even release a statement, you know. He could have at least just said that, you know, the man was an amazing artist and an amazing vocalist, you know what I mean? I know. Didn't even mention it. I know. You know? There's, not, there's a lot of bad blood there, but, you know, when somebody yeah, dies, I mean, you put it behind you. Even a guy even a guy like uh, Ozzy, who really, you know, Ozzy and Sharon probably hated that deal. But then I, I, I was read, saying last I, night, uh, Sharon is the one that got Ronnie to yeah, give him Black Sabbath. I, I never knew that. that. Yeah, I, I never knew that. that. Mr. Eddie himself. That's right. That's uh, where I heard it Friday night. It's got to yeah. be right. Yeah, if he said it's got to be right. And it's remarkable that uh, she she introduced Ronnie to, to the Sabbath camp. Yeah. And Ronnie wow. also, introduced, they also introduced Ross the Boss and Joey the Mayo. Well, that was... There might yeah, not have been a man of war. Yeah, that that I always knew because... Yeah. Of, you so, know, it's you like know, a six degree of separation back, type back thing, back. you know? Everybody knows yeah. somebody, somebody up. Yeah, that's pretty good. What is it? The uh, separation of Kevin Bacon is the separation of that's right. That's right. That's right. I only got a few minutes left. Uh, let me yeah. see what I got coming up this Thursday on the Metal Man. This Thursday, the show's going back to one o'clock. Twelve o'clock is way okay. too early for me to get up <laughs> after working all night. Sure. So, yeah, we're gonna move it back to one o'clock. So I get some more sleep and be a little more lively when it comes on. But uh, this okay. uh, this Thursday, the tenth, we're going back to the United States of Metal Series. We're heading over to yeah. Connecticut. I got like great hard rock and metal from Connecticut coming up this Thursday. Definitely, and, yeah. Uh, gotta... Yeah, and what do we got this Sunday? I mean, it was so nice to only have one interview today, and it was pre-recorded on top of that. But uh, yeah, yeah, we're getting tired of the two. But next week we have two. But one of them is one we did earlier with uh, Ralph Shepard from Primal Fear. We're gonna get that on. Right. Okay. And Eric Hansen from uh, Fallen Angel, uh, metal and metal blade record uh, artist. They're gonna be calling in, and we're gonna play some some stuff off the new record. So okay. that'll be next week, the thirteenth. I'm looking forward to it. How about I do some cherry right now? We'll go do a little uh, new wave of British heavy metal. Okay, sounds good. All right, there's a run with the pack.
There you go. All right, buddy. Thanks for hanging out today. I know it was early, but we'll be back at 6 o'clock next week, a little later. Uh, I think time is gone. Let me try to get him on one more time to say goodbye. We're going to wrap things up here. Tell you there? Yeah. All right, keep losing. We're going to wrap things up. That's it for today. Thanks for hanging okay. out a little earlier. I know it cut into your day, but we'll get back to the regular time next week. All right, bro. Take care now. All right, buddy. Happy birthday. I'll talk to you Tuesday. Take care. Thank you, buddy. Bye-bye. Adios. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to close things out right now. Uh, like I said, I apologize for not being able to get Ron Keel on. I had to change the time of the show because I had something come up with my family tonight that I had to do. But Ron will be on in a few weeks, so we're looking forward to that. I'm just waiting for him to get back to me on a date. we got a couple of minutes left, so I'm going to close things out. I wanted to play Evil Sinner a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't get to it. I'm going to try to do it now. I'm just go digging through these archives for it. I'll get that on. We'll wrap things up, and I'll see you this Thursday at 1 o'clock, the new time for the Metal Matinee. And it's the United States of Metal, Connecticut. Don't forget, everybody, have a great weekend. Enjoy your work week, and I'll see you Thursday. Take care. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>